Yeah. It's just implying that... I don't know. You're right. There's no joke there. Fuck you. I don't... I, yeah. I think it's close to a joke. <laughs> I get... No, like, there's something there. I get it, but I... Yeah. It's not there yet. Workshop it and come back to me. Broadcasting from a month in the past, welcome once again aboard Beef Station as we hurtle through the stars at the speed of sound. Dear listeners, we have pre-recorded this episode because we had the opportunity to see Jojo Rabbit a month before it comes out in Australia. You would ordinarily think this might propose a, pose a problem, but no. We have come up with an innovative solution, which involves <laughs> us simply just recording this while the movie's fresh in our heads. Yeah. We're going to bank it, then we're going to release it at the end of December. Yeah, I bet you've never heard a Goldfish podcast, but you're listening to two men with the memories of Goldfish podcasting that's right now. It. and That's not staying in my head for any more than a day, so we've got to record this fresh, <laughs> and then... Uh, We'll put it in the freezer, and boy, let's hope it reheats well. <laughs> I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. Let's Walt Disney this shit. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this we're week have crows that are dressed up. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we're recording this in the middle of November. Yeah. It's going to air at the end of December. We're hoping that that gives you all the opportunity to go out and watch Jojo Rabbit, uh, Taika Waititi's brand new film that's coming out. This week. <laughs> There's going to be, by the way, Magic a lot of, of that. There's going to be a lot of like, this week, tee yeah. um, <laughs> So this is uh, Taika Waititi's new Every film. Every day until you like it. <laughs> following up from Thor Ragnarok and Hunt for the Wilder People. I think it's really worth you watching. So I, ho- I hope you all dive in and uh, have seen the movie and you can dive back into this potty. Afterwards, otherwise, this whole elaborate fucking you can, exercise you can will have been in vain. Crawling back <laughs> on your hands and knees. Oh, can I please have some content, sir? <laughs> I've done my due diligence and I watched the film that you asked for. And now I'd love to hear some hot takes. When are we going to be in the pocket of Big Man Hollywood? <laughs> We're driving tens yeah. of listeners to the cinemas every week. <laughs> when am I going to be Scrooge, huh? <laughs> so. That's what we're going to cover later in the show. But first off, we're going to get to a bit of news. Yeah. You ready, boy? I oh. am ready. Now, I hear what you're saying, dear listener. Again, you might think, those beef morons have already hit a pothole. Yeah. Why do I want to hear two-month-old news? Well, ordinarily, well. you'd be hearing two-week-old news <laughs> because our schedules are terrible. But yeah. this week, as we voyage through the stars, we've come across a wormhole here in the middle of November that has opened up and given us a a very weak Wi-Fi signal from a hungry Jackson Civic. It's extremely unreliable. Yeah, that is that has allowed us to access yep. our usual source of bullshit news from a month in the future. Yep. So we are just as across all of the news and current events and special goings on in the world of entertainment that we would be if we were recording this on the 20-somethingth of December. Yeah, Christmas time, December 2019. That's it. Oh, wow, we sh- this is our Christmas special. This, I guess this would be our Christmas ho special. Ho yeah. fucking ho. And what better movie to put down our arms, set aside <laughs> our differences, play some soccer and shit on Hitler. <laughs> Shitler. Shitler. I think that is... Actually, a line in the movie. Really? I think he calls him Shitler at one point. <laughs> okay, here we go. Launching into the news for the week. <laughs> Sorry. 
Beef bulletin. Yeah. First cab off the rank is the mandatory James Bond update. Right, of course. So, um, yeah, first headline we've uh, received through the wormhole from a month in the future as we record this is all about the brand new film James Bond No Time to Die, which of course has remained in the headlines week after week after week. This week we've finally gotten a bit more of an insight into what it is exactly that Phoebe Waller-Bridge has been contributing to the James Bond script. She's, of course, famous uh, and has become a lot more popular and awarded critically acclaimed recently for her work on Killing Eve, which is that action show, and for Fleabag, which is the sort of love drama kind of comedy thing we were talking about a few... Frequent fourth wall breaker. Yeah, a few months ago now with friend of the show Josh. Um, Very good. Because as you know, this is being released (laughs) (laughs) at Christmas time. So yeah, of course, the news we have this week that you're all probably aware of is that James Bond is now going to be... it's, It's more of like a James Bond has settled down in London opened up a cafe. Oh, right. The movie's going to be a lot of him like giving the very coy looks to the camera and just yeah. constantly trying to get a priest to fuck him up the arse. <laughs> 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 going to employ the same fourth wall smashing techniques as in Fleabag. Oh, it? no. It- ah! <laughs> that is just Fleabag. So, Phoebe! Smashing the fourth wall while that priest <laughs> smashes the back wall, baby. <laughs> Yeah, so look, she had a good run while she was at it, but it's disheartening to know that she's just phoning in the same old storylines for James Bond. Yeah, now. that is. A bit I don't even really think, I don't even really think that really suits the character of mm. James Bond. I think he'd be more of a top myself. Right. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. He's far too much of an arrogant shit to let anyone else be on top of him at any point in time. <laughs> He's definitely not going to be arrogant taking any shits any time in the future, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Very nice. Thank you. So that's all I've got. Uh, the second bit, there's, there's, I, I, I managed to. Uh, Read between the lines and Remy, 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 Rami, Rami, like the noodles, <laughs> like plural noodles. Um, Rami Malek has been tapped to play the villain in this film, uh, but he's dropped out unfortunately. Oh shit! Due to scheduling issues, because he has to perform the part of a British bulldog <laughs> in a. <laughs> Love Actually style <laughs> smash hit rom-com over Christmas. So, yeah. Um, do you have any idea on who's playing the who's playing the villain now? <laughs> do I have any do, idea? Do you have any idea? <laughs> of course, this isn't anything that's been sprung on me at the last minute. Because <laughs> no. we're both reading from the same Time newspaper that's been <laughs> yeah. shot through the wormhole. Yeah. I just can't read this bit. Can you... <laughs> can oh, you can I it? see it? Yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> well, look, it's going to be a brave casting choice. Considering that she's um she had that health scare earlier in the year, but I've heard that Betty White Ooh. is going to be getting a a full prosthetic do over to get the full Freddie Mercury teeth and everything. Right, so they're gonna make they're gonna make Betty White look like Rami Malek. Yeah, if you, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> if you can't beat him, join him, baby. Right. Yeah, because of course that was that was the important part of the the villain was purely yeah. his <laughs> human appearance. They're gonna have to carve away a lot of the bone structure in her yeah, face. Yeah, gonna have to stretch some skin back. Rami Rami Malek facialization. Oh, surgery. it's gonna be brutal. Or it's R-M-F-S. gonna be brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, thank you for that. They're implanting a little mustache and a goatee so that if Rami continues to be tied up, um, she can do the sequel to Bohemian Rhapsody that was announced last week. Yes. 
yes. where we just get to watch Freddie Mercury die slowly of AIDS. But of course, which is uh, I don't think probably not a bad tap for Betty White. Yeah, no, no, no. She's she already yeah exactly. They're yeah. just going to film Betty White dying slowly, right, of AIDS. But <laughs> no, no. I, I hear in this part that she's not going to. Uh, they're, they're, they're not going to need to overdub any of the original Freddie Mercury vocals onto her. She'll actually sing all of the bits from all of the Queen songs that feature in in the film. Well, that's what it says here. Yeah. Right. Like I'll, I'll be I'll be interested to know how it goes if Rami Malek can't sing them, and he looks like Freddie Mercury. Mm. Then maybe looking like Freddie Mercury is the problem here. Well, maybe if you make you Betty White like look like Freddie Mercury, <laughs> look like <them. laughs> then she's not going to be able to sing at all. Maybe the best thing to do is just leave her looking the way she is. Yeah, uh, I've been uh, I've been putting on red lipstick and sundresses for fucking years, but no one's no one's listening to my Taylor Swift covers on YouTube. <laughs> look, I, I know that we've just been reading out this, this from this uh, headline for the last few minutes, man. But I reckon this headline, this article we're going here, has probably reached its natural conclusion. Uh, I also think. Yeah. That. Okay. Cool. Great. We are we're scraping the bottom of the barrel of that headline, if you know what I mean. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'll just I'll just get rid of that headline. I'll yep. open up the next headline we have here. List. Yep. From a month in the future. Yep. Uh, Sonic news. Yes, of, of course. course. The Sonic movie is well, was delayed l- earlier in the year, and back way back in November, yep. they released a new trailer to show off the new look for Sonic, proving. As we also online, that bullying works. Yes, and that you can peer pressure an entire movie studio into changing yeah. the look of their Sonic. About to, <laughs> about to cyber bully this studio into spending five million dollars <laughs> more on their Sonic redesign. Yeah, well, I mean, as as you glimpsed on the Telegraph website there, the December as, page yes, of the as, Telegraph, as we're, both, as we're both reading at the same time from the future. <laughs> um, Sonic got me too last week. Shit. Yeah, yeah, big news. So they're, of course, scrambling to meet their February release date for the Sonic 2020 after now having their revised his look for the second time. Right. It says here they've been able to step in at the last minute and use some of the assets from that axed Cats movie that right. was coming out. The live-action Cats film. Yeah, it says here they're just going to deepfake James Corden as a cat onto the Sonic body. Right. And we're just going to have James Corden as a cat running rampant in the, uh, in the Sonic movie. Now, I'm curious, and I'm not sure that they elaborate this on the article, so maybe you might have something, some more additional insights yeah, into this. Yeah, if you give me a few minutes but, to read the did, article, then did yeah. Ben, did, so, Sonic, obviously, famously, cancelled, Can- right? No, yeah, no. Yeah. Ben Schwartz, the Actually, voice of we, Sonic in this film. Should we be talking about Sonic at all, man? Like, probably not, probably but not, let's yeah, put it to bed, right? But Ben Schwartz, who was the voice of Sonic... Oh, he's fine. He's fine. He's perfectly fine. Right. So they're getting James Corden's visage, yeah. but it will still be voiced by Ben Schwartz. Yeah, you know, it'll, it'll be sort of deep-faked over right. Sonic, exactly, yeah. Right. I don't see the fact that, that, that it looks like Ben Corden. No, yeah, no it looked like James yeah. Corden. Sorry, yeah, James yeah. Corden, yes. Well, yeah. yeah it, lo- it looks like the cat. The cat character from the... Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fine. Yep. It'll be fine. Yeah, no, I'm... I, I, after all... I think this studio has proved that their decisions can be trusted. I trust them. Yeah. This will be great. Yeah. No, Look, I agree. When they announced that second redesign, or the first redesign, where he looks a lot more cartoony, yeah. Um, I honestly think that I wasn't as excited about it, because it just mm. looks like a 6 out of 10 video game movie. I wanted it to be a little bit fucked. 
Yeah. So, if any, so when it looked a bit fucked before, I was like, oh man, this is going to be a tire fire. So the fact that they're now going to have to like shrink down James Corden and like map him Blue onto the, the model gonna, of Sonic. They're going to put him in the same machine as Violet Beauregard goes into <laughs> in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, he's not going to be blue. It's just going to be the cat. Right. Oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah. If anything, they might have to rebrand it as a live action Tales movie. It's going to be a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, very like, it's good. Not, you've already got all that footage of uh, James Marsden saying Sonic this and Sonic that. Right. You might have to be so Nick the cat. Like it, It'll be... Uh, There'll be a bit of legwork and maybe a bit of like auto tune type. So Nick, some like pretty, type. pretty frantic times in the ADR department on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm um I'm looking forward to it. Um, I hope that the decision to replace the Junkie XL soundtrack with a soundtrack entirely composed by Gary Glitter doesn't bite them in the ass. So, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> All right, moving on. Um, Have you got any news there, boy? Uh, we've got some news about so Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, which. Uh, has obviously just come out. Oh, I thought I thought I had some news on this, so I sure hope that your news doesn't contradict the news that I have. Well, let's 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 see, let's see shall we? Oh, you go first. No, no, I insist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm reading this correctly, you might not have a reliable source. We'll find out. Correct me yeah, if right. I'm wrong, yeah. but if I'm reading this correctly, uh, it's it's absolutely bombed. So the studio only released it in six cinemas in America, yeah, and of course snubbed the marketing budget in favor of uh, Tyler Perry's A Medea Family Funeral, which they <laughs> poured all of their marketing resources into for the month of... Uh, <laughs> which, which I thought was great. <laughs> for the month of March this year. Um, and it's just meant that it's, it's, it's not been... Uh, it, well, frankly, they've, they've, they've lost $285 million based on the... Uh, based on the projections that we're getting already. Well, I've heard so. that a lot of that came away from Playmobil, the movie right, as well. Right, right, um, Which is real and actually coming out <laughs> three three weeks ago yeah. at the beginning of December. Yeah. Which, of course, uh, is the most successful film ever made, mm. grossing uh, $800 million on its opening weekend in the US alone. Well, I thought it was weird... Um, Lionsgate are, of course, now committed to make all their movies in Playmobil. Right. <laughs> so, obviously, obviously, they didn't have time to redo Star Wars all in Playmobil. No, um, of course not. Of course not. We'll get to that later. Yeah. But, um, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to them. They've they, they got the rights to Lord of the Rings, Peter yep. Jackson. I'm looking yep. forward to them doing all the Playmobil. And there's already Lord uh, of the Rings movies. a Lego Lord of the Rings video game series. So, I'm assuming We're going to get Lego Lord of the Rings Playmobil. <laughs> It's going to be Playmobil, Lego, Lego, Lord, Playmobil, Lord, of the Playmobil, Lego yep. Lord of the Rings. Yep. I'm yep. looking forward to uh, fresh off the success of the entire Hunger Games trilogy, of course, also put out by Lionsgate, a, yep. a Playmobil Hunger Games adaptation. Yeah, no, that'll, yeah, and again, all items to look forward to. Yep. I suppose people are gonna people are gonna be interested as to why suddenly when we're talking about all these reboots for a, a month in the future we're so optimistic about them all of a sudden. But you know, people change. Well, things change. This is a reboot podcast now. And I look, was optimistic about Rise of Skywalker, and you know, look what happened to that. Well, so. you remember we saw on the the weak Wi-Fi signal coming from the Hungry Jacks through the wormhole. Yep. We saw, we saw that preview screening of. The Rise of Skywalker. Mm, and of course, we we'll save our thoughts for probably last week. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll save our Very thoughts possible. for whenever they come out in this murky swamp, yep. flat circle that is time. Um, but of course, we we noticed that the animation, because we didn't realize, you know, the poster looked weird and the Emperor in the back of the poster looked like some fucked animation. Mm. 
And so when you get there and we found out the whole movie is that weird animation. Yeah, yeah. That definitely dis- discolored the movie for me a little bit. Like, yeah. if you can't get Carrie Fisher, don't just animate the whole movie. Right. That's ludicrous. Right. No, I agree. Um, Even if you are using a Tupac-style hologram to generate all <laughs> of her character movements. Yeah. yeah, right. Well, so that's... I got a little behind-the-scenes article here from Variety right. from, a, from a month in the future. It turns out they just did the whole movie as a machinima-style thing from an actual PS2 game. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's why well, it all, all the animation looks so terrible. I, That's That poster is just a screenshot from the animation Wow. from the PS2 game. I'd imagine that would be almost more effort and more expense than paying the actors to be in the film. Well, so yeah, well, you, that's you want, a very strange decision. You wonder why they lost so much money. It's because they had to develop the whole game right. off hardware that's now two or three generations right. old, get all the voice acting for the whole game and finalize that. Of course. And then shelve it and shoot a movie through it. Right. <laughs> it sounds like it was a nightmare. And to yeah. be honest... I mean, talk about production hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I can't help but wonder if the last-minute decision to cut the Baby Yoda sex scene <laughs> harmed the box office opening. <laughs> well, of course they had to do that so they could get a PG rating for the PS2 game. Right. Because right, Sony right, wouldn't right, give right, them a right. license for the whole... It's a whole... Oh, yeah, man. It makes sense. I mean, uh, it's it just... It hurts when you know that they sacrifice the art for the audience. Mm. You know, for the generalizability and... I don't know. I just... It feels like it's not the same movie as it would have been. Yeah, look, it's it's, it's just a shame that everyone's favourite Jedi is sold out. Is all I'm saying. Pandering to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. That can't deal with a bit of man on alien love It is on disappointing, screen. yeah. Is that all the news we've got for the week? I know it's a Turning short... To, to, well, just one, just one, you know, we like to finish on a positive note here. Um, yeah. So, rest in peace, Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. Sad to lose you, mate. Yeah. We had almost 100 years of that ridiculous name yeah, being did. in showbiz. Yeah, we did. And uh, and Mel Brooks, too. Mel Brooks. So, you reckon? R.I.P. to two big ones. You reckon you I reckon read, that's what you reckon it says. You read, you <laughs> read reckon, that they died. I reckon those are the names that I read. Right. Who do you reckon you read? <laughs> well, you sure it wasn't... I mean, it certainly sounds like she's got a lot going on now, so it can't be Betty White. No. Because she's committed and contracted. Right. And, well, she's going to die on right. camera next year for that for that movie. Of so course. it can't be that. Of course. Who do I reckon? That this article says. That the article already says he's dead. Oh, I don't know. Can I, can I have a look at the article? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, no, look, I, I don't really have a guess, but I mean, my, uh, <laughs> my, my, my future IMDb page here says that Martha Stewart's fucking 97. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, 97 and 10 months now, but yeah. Jesus Christ. Do so you reckon no? No, I don't think I can quite make out any of the text that's lower down on this page here. I, I couldn't, I couldn't possibly read out who it is that's dead. Mm. No idea. Well, we'll just have to see. Yes, Fucking we will. Hell, Jimmy Carter. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right. Was that was that obituaries to the future, or was that the IMDb page for world's oldest celebrities? I guess we'll never know. Twenty nineteen. <laughs> uh, I'd love to see the list for like world's oldest celebrities twenty eleven and just see who made the cut. Not much of an obituary segment, but no. y- you know what? You can't. 
There's only so yeah. much you can talk about people Wish who there are, was more Tibby. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> There's only, only so much you can talk about people who are definitely dead yep. before it starts to become disrespectful and a bit cynical. And and it really takes away from when you say, we called it, folks. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll see how all of that comes out in the wash. I, I mean, I'm interested to see how we deal with... <laughs> them actually dying between now and Christmas. I can't because then wait. we're not going to be able to say we called it because this episode won't have come out yet. And for now, this time, a lot of this news. Sorry, listener, this is going to be the second time you've been hearing a lot of this. Yeah, we're like, right, of course. we know James Bond gets fucked in the ass by Phoebe Waller Bridge. Jesus, yeah, yeah. Everyone was all over the pl- Star Wars is a machinima from a PlayStation Two game like three right. weeks ago, and we're just going to look like huge hacks who recorded it. Uh, not through a wormhole looking forward into the future. But but through uh, the world's slowest wormhole, the natural progression of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, damn. Uh, nevertheless, this week, regardless, we watched Jojo Rabbit. Yes. New film written and directed by New Zealand director Taika Watiti. We actually got a... I mean, anyone could have bought tickets, so it was about to be like, we got a special opportunity, but we just we just noticed... We got a special public opportunity. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, I honestly just was like, man, I wonder when that's coming out in Google. It was like, fuck, it's showing tomorrow or whatever. Yeah. So uh, we noticed that in Canberra here, it was being shown a month early as a part of the Jewish International Film Festival. Taika Waititi uh, was, is, is Jewish, has a Jewish family, has Jewish heritage... And has Maori heritage. And is also a Ma- Maori, yeah. And so it says that he... And he, he gave a little intro that was recorded, especially for the Jewish Film Festival, where he said, like, hey, I wish I could be there. Here's me introducing the film. I'm very proud to be Jewish and Maori, and it's this weird identity I've had to struggle with my whole life. What a combo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, what he said. that's what he said. Yeah. So I was be like, Fwah, imagine being Jewish. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, imagine being from NZ. <laughs> Uh, Mary's gonna fucking kill me Last time I tried to even approximately do A New Zealander accent On the podcast She was like Specifically calling me out about it (laughs) (laughs) Your New Zealander accent is terrible I was like Yep Didn't uh, didn't put that much effort into it But that means This episode I'm gonna Double down Well it's not as if we teased The New Zealand accent a month in advance So For the rest of the episode I'll be doing this in a New Zealander accent. Mary, you can get fucked. <laughs> you fucking prawn. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, whatever. He what introduced- about apartheid? <laughs> <laughs> he, he, int- he introduced the film and said like, oh, it's a, I've had this weird identity I've had to deal with my whole life. And so I've, uh, this film, I think, is like an anti-hate film that's all about inclusivity. And so with that in mind, I hope you enjoy it. He said it's important to keep teaching these listens to our <laughs> children uh, because uh, it's important not to let them forget what happened and it's important <laughs> you to... You didn't want to do that in the accent. <laughs> what happened. About the Holocaust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's important to talk about what Adolf did. <laughs> um, yeah, but basically he was genu- genuinely You missed a big opportunity saying, for Adolf Hitler. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Adolf Hitler. Um the movie's about Nazis. Did we mention that? Yeah, no, it's we about didn't Adolf Hitler. <laughs> it's about Adolf Hitler and Nazis. We're not um, disrespectful. We are, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's... Only disrespectful to New Zealanders. Yeah. 
specifically the colonizers. So it's like a fictional, I suppose, story set during the end of World War II. The main character is this kid named Jojo, played by Roman Griffin Davis. Who's This is his only real credit. He's yeah, he's his, like his 10 years old. He looks like he's 8 or 10 years old or something. Um, this kid is a member of the Hitler Youth organization and I suppose I suppose he lives in Berlin it's not really clear um and he's very enthusiastic and he's all in on the um Nazi culture and he him and his friends go to this sort of like Nazi Hitler youth summer camp type thing where they learn all about like you know how to Hang out of fortune. How to fight for, <laughs> how to fight for the Fuhrer and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and it's, like it's they learn how to do the Heil Hitler salute. The best and way I can summarize this is it's Moonrise Kingdom crossed with Nazi Germany. <laughs> yeah, right. And the the tone of the film is encapsulated a little bit in that uh analogy as well. Yeah. Um, I suppose very very early on in the movie, we're not going to get too far into spoilers just yet. But very early on in the movie, he he goes to this sort of youth, yeah, this Moonrise Kingdom style Nazi summer camp type thing, and he gets injured by some sort of blast, some sort of explosion, like a grenade, fun training exercise, <laughs> and he it means that for the rest of the movie, he's sort of scarred on his face and he's got a limp on his leg. That means that like while the other kids are doing fun kid army stuff. He's like handing out posters and leaflets and putting up propaganda posters. And I feel like they're all kids and none of them are doing any of that fun stuff. But I think he definitely feels because he's sort of been disfigured and disabled and his friends are off running around. Um, He definitely feels like he's on the sidelines of the whole war and he feels like, oh, if it just wasn't, if I was just normal like the other kids, I'd be able to be a real Nazi. Yeah. And of course, the, uh, which I believe is sort of, uh, I don't know if it's revealed in the trailer, but. what is revealed in the trailer is that Taika Waititi plays the role of Adolf Hitler. Right. But you never genuinely meet Adolf Hitler in the film so much as he is a figment of Jojo's imagination. Adolf Hitler is this kid's imaginary friend. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is fantastic. It's great. Just as an idea off the bat, fantastic. But yeah, it means that like he... Uh, we, we, we explore a lot of the dynamics about how he feels about having dropped out of this summer camp and like being stuck as a postie a lot of through it's like, the lens of like what Hitler would think of him. Yeah, exactly. If Hitler's perspective on him was imagined by his own 10-year-old self. It's yeah. very well, funny. Well, so then a lot of this is like a coming-of-age type story. So yeah. it's a lot of uh, Jojo wishing he was older, stronger, more handsome, more popular, more confident. So yeah. it's, it's a lot of the typical tropes of a coming-of-age story that you'd see from... Even, I suppose, like Hunt for the Wilder People, or one of my favorites is The Way, Way Back. Mm. Um, all sorts of coming-of-age stories that are a little kid that are surrounded by teenagers or people that are older than him. But I feel like it's more exacerbated because this is a little kid surrounded in a, in a world, in a culture where it's so important that you dedicate your life for your country yep. kind of thing. Yep. And he feels like he's letting everyone down and he feels like, oh, he really wants to and he's really dedicated to it. Yeah. And so, Sam Rockwell is his camp leader, um, who ends up getting uh, demoted for negligence due to what <laughs> happens to Jojo. Yeah, and so ends up also being his boss at the like post postal <laughs> postal service and propaganda distribution center. Yeah, and um, 
is like very resentful and a background alcoholic. Yeah. Um, he's like, he used to be some big general and now he keeps getting demoted because of shit these kids are yeah. doing and he's stuck, stuck looking after the Hitler youth. I think he's like the Hitler youth scout leader almost. Yeah. So yeah. And so, and so then so this movie's half like this commentary of this general, like learn to love yourself and be comfortable in your own skin. Don't listen to people who are bringing you down kind of coming of age story messaging. And then it's half this sort of world war two messaging that, is more specifically ridiculing the hateful culture that happened in World War Two, and then it mirrors what's happening today with like hating people and building up negative stereotypes and images of other people for no reason and based on no evidence. And that how you the, how they go about indoctrinating children from a young age, about yeah, that type of thing. So, yeah, and it's, it's it's yeah, so it has these parallels between like what the Nazis say about the Jews, like in the. The camp where they teach the Nazis are teaching all the eight and ten year old Nazis like, oh, Jews have scales and uh, yeah. they're, and they're demons like, and they grow horns. What else do Jews have? And one of the kids is like, they eat babies, and she's yeah. like, very good. And they, they eat babies and they drink goat blood and right, shit like that. And so, this, so there's all this like uh, grotesque, hyperbolic. Uh, Type like oh imagine if Nazis said this about Jews type shit yeah yeah um, but then like is they they have fun with that as well and that's what a lot of the movie goes down is like Jojo trying to understand more about like what is the Jew I need to know more about these demon yeah, bat, he, he bat winged goat write, blood drinking he decides to write a book about what what Jews are so that people can find them better yeah um, as like an informational resource and so he has to go and research what Jews yeah. actually are. And he finds out that like Jews sleep upside down yeah. and like, yeah, all, all, <laughs> all sorts of shit. I, I feel like I really would like to, um, I think we should sort of give our, uh, give a spoiler free, like appraisal of what we thought of the film, but I would love to be able to talk about this for people who have well, seen it. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and I really think you shouldn't listen to this review until you've gone and saw it. Yeah. Right. I, w- I went in relatively cold. I think I watched the trailer and almost wished I hadn't because the stuff it reveals in the trailer I, that didn't. I think is a fun surprise. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that, I think that overall, in general, this film, I, re- I really liked the same sort of whimsical, bizarre, almost surreal kind of humor that you see from Hunt from the Will. Hunt, yeah. Hunt from the Wilder he's, people. He's, uh, his comedic muscles are flexing in a in an extremely impressive fashion in this film especially in his performance as yeah. Adolf Hitler some of my some of the funniest bits in the whole movie were him playing Adolf Hitler as an imaginary as an imaginary friend yeah. so there'll be shit like to exit scenes he would just be like, okay, Jojo, I've got to go, and would like dive out of the third story window. Yeah. Like, and assumedly onto the street below. Part of what's so fucking funny about that is he's also continuously throughout the whole thing doing a German accent whilst clearly battling against his own New, New Zealand, Zealand accent. accent. <laughs> so you get this, like, clearly, like, sort of dark skinned Adolf Hitler that is yeah. <laughs> obviously from New Zealand. Yeah, it's like a, a like a brown Jewish it's Hitler. Just he said it hysterical. He said in an interview, like I can't imagine people would think this is disrespectful because it is isn't the greatest fuck you to Hitler. Yeah, to have exactly. Hitler being played on screen by a brown Jew. By, yes, it's yes. <laughs> um, fantastic. And the, all the characters, the accents are all over the place. Yeah, which is like great. 
the main character, the the little boy Roman Griffith Davis Griffin Davis yeah. is from England, and he's doing a sort of German accent. German accent. Thomas and Mackenzie is a New Zealander. Uh, she was the main character in Leave No Trace. Yeah, the, we covered that before. Yeah, that's the movie about the father and daughter that are sort of being raised in the wilderness, and it's a very cold. Um, Drama. Uh, drama, yeah. It was fun uh, to watch her having fun and have her doing a bit of oh, comedy she stuff. She plays such a different character in this. I really think she's brilliant as an actor. She's great. Um, but, like, she's a New Zealander and also plays a German yeah. voiced person. So, so it's like a little, a little overweight best friend of um, Jojo, uh, played by Archie Yates, who's like this. I think I think you called. It, I think he's British. He looks like if Nick Frost was eight years old, and his accent. Yes, and his, <laughs> and his accent is just abysmal. It's yeah. like yeah, it's terrible. How do you? They didn't teach these eight-year-old kids like linguistic well, lessons like, or anything. They didn't even try to properly get them in. They yeah. were just like, just curve a letter here or there, and it'll be fine. I feel yeah. like to some degree you can't. And I definitely got from a lot of nah, this they movie. Shouldn't have done. Yeah, I got. A, I got a very much like it's very. It's deliberately very silly. Yes, a lot of the Nazis are very. Played very camp, yeah, in a Sam very Rockwell. yeah, in almost like they're, they're like a lot of them are almost doing like Monty Python sketch, in in the levels yeah. of like how silly they're being with the voices and like it's we- it's Wes Andersony certainly and it's tone I think in tone I feel yeah. like the, Wes Anderson has such a specific cinematic cinematographic style that I have trouble like. I don't know. I have trouble saying that because I mean, like, oh, there were no locked off shots and there's no symmetries. <laughs> right. Like, I definitely. I was gonna say Wes Anderson though. You definitely get the same kind of whimsical tone from it. From like but the like, way that the way that I feel like, because um, I think Taika Waititi directed this as well, right? Yeah, he did. He wrote so, and directed. Right. So the way that he constructs the house that we spend a lot of time in felt quite similar to the way that Wes Anderson uses houses in Moonrise Kingdom as like places that these kids grow up in and exist in. Um, okay. So I don't know. I got a similar tone from from that. Yeah, um, but I it, it is that same sort of silly whimsicality. That, yeah, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel has a fair bit of that too. And those are all kind of set in the same era, almost right. like in the same first few decades of the twentieth century. Yeah, uh, I definitely thought that in any other movie, the silly, campy, shitty German accents wouldn't have worked. But in yeah. this, it's almost played through this very self-aware lens of uh, like we know these are all New Zealand yes. actors and British actors and American actors all doing bad German accents to clown the Nazis. Yeah, exactly. In this way where like, yeah, they're making fun of them in a very It's like pantomime. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like yeah. we we used to do this admittedly shitty musical theatre pantomime type thing. And I got, um, when we were younger, and I got a lot of that from this. Like, a lot of, like, eight or ten-year-old actors doing very exaggerated kind of acting and shitty accents in a way that in any other movie wouldn't have worked and sometimes annoyed me a little bit in this. I didn't find it, but sure, I could understand how it Um, would, yeah. But in the overall purpose of the movie, I think it worked very well and it was very funny. Everyone's in on the joke. And that's really important. Yeah, exactly. Um, like you get this select little twinkle when someone yeah. like fucks up their accent a bit. Like there's almost a bit where like um, Stephen Merchant plays a <laughs> like a start like a Gestapo <laughs> officer in this movie, and so he he opens the they open the door and he's like, "Hello, I'm Günther. Yeah. I'd Heil like Hitler. to have a look around your house." Hi, yeah, Heil Hitler. <laughs> yeah. And then like um, they show him something that surprises him, and for a second he's like, "Fuck me, look at that." <laughs> 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 Absolutely fall back to British shit. Like, oh, look at that. Look at that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, which I really enjoyed. And they're, they're, of course, they don't go for another take or anything. No. It's just like, nah, that's in. Yeah, it's... um. 
it definitely I think it prioritized heavily like the actors' natural yeah. performances over any type of like historical accuracy or whatever the fuck. Like it's yeah. not that type of film. Something yeah. I'm always impressed by with movies like this is how well they do the period. Yeah, this was very that well was, done. It was pretty spot on, I think. Yeah, I sp- or at least it felt spot yeah, on. I'd say that's the benefit they have in like it being that far along, far ago. Is I'm sure you could go through and be like, that typewriter didn't come out to the fifties, and yeah, that car yeah, is yeah, from yeah. nineteen forty-seven. Yeah, but yeah. like, it, it nails this perfect tone where you're never like, oh, this feels fake or this feels like I'm watching a play or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, something that they did very well and that I thought really worked within this sort of self-aware, almost fourth wally look that of the movie they were going for or yep. it felt like was the soundtrack there was quite a few noticeable uses of modern pop music i think they had um a lot of music from there's a 60s rock band or 70s written called love there was a couple of little songs there was a song from them they had a beatles song in this movie they did an actual beatles master recording back in the ussr i believe <laughs> no um no sorry i no. want to hold your hand that's right because not i suppose not many people know not back that in the, the ussr what yeah the no the what Be- a dumb thing to <laughs> the beatles recorded two of their singles in german yeah back before they were like i don't know i think the story was like they hadn't properly blown up yet and they were like oh you used to live in germany maybe a good way for us to like expand your market appeal will be to record some of these singles in a foreign language right and they recorded it and then realized oh we actually don't need to do that yeah at yeah, all. yeah yeah so there's so there's there's there there exists a recording of the beatles singing Along to their own tracks, and it's the Beatles singing "Come Give Me a Diner Hand," which is German for "Come Come Give Me Your Hand." Yeah, which I suppose is the closest they could get syllabically <laughs> yeah. to "I Want to Hold Your Hand." They also have um, "She Loves You" recorded in German yeah, as right. "Sie liebt dich," um, which wasn't in the movie. That sounds like someone slipping over words. Sie liebt dich. Yeah, yeah. I I thought. Like already when I came out, I thought, like, oh man, there goes half the budget of the movie. Yeah, and yeah, then I yeah, thought, I was like, actually, that. is there much demand for the licensing right. of a German re-recording of a Beatles song? <laughs> uh, there's there's a whole bunch of others that I think are a cool surprise. There's there's one at the end that, um, yeah, is a nice surprise. Similarly, where if you didn't know the Beatles sang one of their songs, right? In German, yeah, like, so oh I re- wow, I remember this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I turned you and called it very early on. I was very impressed with myself. That was impressive. Yeah. Um. So I I feel like we could almost go down. We won't, but we could. And I promise you, I won't. But we could almost go down this list and just like single out each in individual actor and talk about how good of a job they did because there was no bad performance in this movie. Huge. Um, well, I think some of the best. I think some. Well, we we could sort of give a bit of a crack at it. Some yeah. Of the well, best I was bits. just going to mention. Well, we barely talked about Scarlett Johansson. Um, don't like her as a person. She has shit views in real life, but she did an excellent job in this film. Very, very commendable as uh, JoJo's mum. Rebel Wilson, I think, was the... And I've said this about her for a very long time, the weakest performance in this entire movie. I can't stand Rebel Wilson. I don't Rebel find Wilson. her funny at all. No. At the very most, I can say that at least in this film, there were no explicit fat jokes about her. Yeah. Which is usually a crutch that probably the writers of the film, unless her, use to... Like, yeah, and be I funny. I wouldn't blame her for any of that at all. But no, no I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I, I just haven't seen her. Fucking the right annoying. Role. I think. Yeah, to me, she always seems a bit sort of in your face and a bit obnoxious in yeah. a way that I don't find funny. She breaks me out of every single movie she's ever in, and not in a way that, like, even she even broke me out of this movie. And I thought, the, yeah, I don't know, because I thought that like maybe it was a well, a well a well written character, and there are good jokes all in all. Yeah, but I just think she can't fucking act. 
Yeah, I, I really know. think she can't act. She has a, an extremely unique style that I hate. I yeah. just she bugs me. Anyway, people might disagree. I hope other people enjoy it. It doesn't ruin the movie by any means, but I would have cast someone else. Yeah, I just don't like Rebel Wilson. So. Scarlett Johansson, I thought did a great job. Yeah, and I think um, your partner mentioned it after we went out that she did a great job of being this mum that was very loving, but also like. It didn't like um, mythologize her as this like perfect mother. No. There were bits where she awesome like, female character. She had all these problems, and yeah. she was strong in these ways and weak in some other ways. Um, she like fucked with her kid all the time. Yeah, but in like an <laughs> in ways that were f- manner. Yeah. yeah, in ways that were fun to watch. Yeah. Sam Rockwell does a really good does a really good performance as this sort of scout leader, camp leader type thing. And yeah. there's a whole there's, yeah, you're right. There are a huge like, number of other Alfie big Allen characters. is in this uh, as like a. Uh, Theon Greyjoy as like a just sort of a minor like a supporting role um, and still does a really good job like doesn't get many lines or anything but um, no he's funny in it yeah he's funny Uh, a good physical performance from him I think well he's always been quite physical I think tailing from his Game of Thrones days I guess of course that needs to be very physical you're quite right but I've never thought I've thought about him far more as like a psychologically tortured character than a physically tortured character but I guess it's both right Um, so he's great as like uh, Sam Rockwell's kind of like footman, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think that's getting to the bottom of like characters that people are act performances that people might know. I think it's a great ensemble cast, and they did a really, really good job. Is, yeah. Why? Why don't we? Let's give a spoiler warning. Yeah. Um. But I guess to summarize, if you haven't seen this movie yet, you should absolutely. I think I'd recommend it. This th- movie is almost for everyone. I th- I think if you like coming of age stories, you'll like this. If you like funny movies, you'll like this. It's a very, very specifically, I would say the style of comedy is more. It's very similar to Hunt for the Wilder People. I would uh, say it's yeah. very similar in in comedic tone. I'd to send my parents to this movie though. I think that they would enjoy it. You know, I, I feel I think like Hunt for the Wilder People is a great comedy. Yeah, but it's so that do same I. kind of tone. So there's there's definitely like humor that. Um, is more, I mean, like, I'm not breaking any new ground here, but you know the style of humor that it feels like only, like, millennials and Gen Z get. That's, like, that sort of, like, hyper-deadpan sense of irony where it's funny because it's, like, absolutely shit, but it knows how absolutely shit it is or whatever, and that's funny. I feel like my parents don't fucking get that, and that's fine. I don't find Monty Python funny anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a different style of humor. But mm. I, I, I really feel like this has a really broad span. No, I so think so as well. So it's not like it's just that specifically dry, sarcastic humor that I think New Zealand sometimes gets like reduced down to, if you know what I mean. Like that, that style, especially like, like of the Taika Waititi type stuff. Yeah, right. Um, it's not all that super. Weird. I think he's done a really good job of just writing jokes that almost everyone finds funny. Yeah, yeah. and I think part of the part of the appeal, as I said before, is the idea of sort of. S- Clowning on the Nazis and sort of right. making them appear silly and, but fuck, fucking with the whole like uh, the ways people view the ways people view each other and the the interesting stereotypes that happened back then that right. you can sort of reflect on that right. are fodder for comedy. Yeah, and it's 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 like one thing that's great about it is it's deeply cynical, deeply deeply cynical about the way that they went about doing things and about how much people must have known what was going on when yeah. it was happening, right? So things I, like Sam Rockwell being extremely transparent about like the the, the war effort and yeah. um I think the blood and soil nationalism that they yeah. that they're kind of like pushing, knowing that it's not likely to end well, you know? Yeah. Um I think that it's probably less about I, I agree that it says a lot and it's obviously directly it's about World War Two and about 
Germany in the 40s. But I think that it's probably more, especially considering the message he gave at the start of our screening, I'd say it's probably more intended as like a use this depiction of the past as a scope to view how you treat each other in the present. Yeah, sure. And in a way, in a way where it's like, yeah, it, it's like a, a, a classic thing where they can sort of super exaggerate, like, oh, you think this? Then let, what that means this and this and this. I'm going to exaggerate your right. point of view until it turns into like this Nazi wearing a fucking spangled cape or whatever. Right. And then it's like, that's what you think. Right. That, that's what the thinking you have turns into. And so it's this way of like... Yeah, I, I guess that's what Twisting people's at. stereotypes to sort of show how it can reflect like hatred and hate culture today. I think the cynicism that I'm talking about uh, is it's the tool with which that is achieved, right? I think like if... It's it's cynical in that it's it's pulling out the threads of the ideas of what was going on yeah. and then lo- saying like look at this thread look at this look at this concept or look at this process by which they spread propaganda or they spread the idea yeah. or whatever now think about how that's going on in today's world right yeah right. but it's cynical because the characters that are doing that are aware of what they're doing so yeah I yeah. I, I think it's really uh it's a great story it was really funny uh, really I'll, funny I'll just mention like before we go into spoilers finally um. <laughs> that it's hard to talk about a lot of the coming-of-age stuff without spoiling things that I think really should go unspoiled. So we've missed... I, I feel like we've talked almost more about the historical aspects of it. I know you've kept trying to mention that it's yeah. like a really good coming-of-age story. A lot of the coming-of-age story comes between the relationship between Jojo and Elsa, um, the young kid and Thomas and Mackenzie. But it's hard to talk about that without getting into spoilers. Yeah, so, And, I and think that's the majority of the coming-of-age story. There's this... Yeah, relationships he has with the people he works with and the yeah. relationships he has with his mother and all that sort of thing that sort of forge who he has as a young man that are really interesting. Yeah, so, okay. From now on, we're going to spoil this movie. See you later. You should absolutely go and see yeah, it. I, at, at this point, they will have tuned out if they don't care. Whatever. Right, but go and see it and please don't listen to this if you haven't unless you are 100% not going to see it, but <laughs> you should. So, anyway. at, at this point, no one... No, I'm doesn't catching care. the stragglers. <laughs> stragglers? Oi, we're serious. Fucking turn it off. <laughs> go and watch Jojo Rabbit. Um, okay. So, the first main spoiler that's in the trailer that I think is helpful if you don't know, is that the trailer tells you that Thomas and Mackenzie is a Jew that lives in their house secretly. Oh, fu- no, I, yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't watch yeah. the trailer for this movie at all because I knew I was going to see it. Yeah. So that was a a wonderful reveal. So uh, uh, Jojo Jojo's sister, her, his older sister, dies under some sort of mysterious circumstance. She got sick and died or something yeah, yeah, yeah. before the movie even starts. And so there's this empty... Bedroom. Little girl's bedroom upstairs that Jojo very rarely goes into, and at one point he goes in and finds this sort of secret lift-off panel. He hears a noise in the wall. I suppose yeah. I think so. Yeah, and the he swings open this secret door in the side of his sister's bedroom and finds like a little crawl space where his mother has hidden a young Jewish girl who must be sort of twelve. Right, and this follows immediately from a scene where people are hanging up in the town square. Uh, with I, I assume some sort of German phrase uh, about how they helped Jews, and um, oh, I th- I he th- says I th- like, yeah, "What did they what... do?" And the mother says, "They did what they can." I think it says could. like traitors to Germany, or right? Something. And so, like the immediate con- context for this is like that they're hung like by their neck, like there's a hangman's imme- noose, right? Yeah. So you're immediately like it's immediately shown to you that people who assist Jews in this time frame are being hung in public and as an example. Yeah. And then immediately it's revealed that Jojo, the fanatical Nazi youth, yeah. his mother, 
has been hiding one of these Jews. So yeah. it's, it's it's very much like a big shocking moment. And I think that like the interesting thing about you said fanatical, but he's like a little eight year old, ten year old kid. Yeah. So he's almost just like, oh, we have to we have to hate Jews. And someone's like, do you know what a Jew is? And he has no idea. Yeah, he's totally brainwashed. Yeah, it's it's just it's like he's just this kid who's um and they she says later you're just this kid who wants to be part of a club. Yeah, exactly. And wear yeah. a funny uniform. And that's so the like best club that's on offer. He's not yeah. like a hateful kid. He's just in this fucking Nazi youth thing, and he's believing what adults tell him. And right. I suppose it's part of the part movie can partly be about that as well. Um, but that scene where you see the people hanging in the street um, felt like a slap. When oh I saw yeah, it, it was because huge. the movie was like laugh after laugh, and that was the first time where it was like, no, fucking listen. It's a big reality check. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it does that a couple of times because it's got like it's got like um, Taika Waititi's character like having u- roasted unicorn for dinner and like yeah, skipping through the woods and laughing and like breaking the fourth wall almost. Even so, up to that point, like obviously um, Jojo blows himself up with a grenade. That's played for laughs. Like that could have yeah. been a big. He like moment. ragdolls around, right? And, like, and it's sort of shown in real time it's a very like undramatized moment in the film like it's a moment um, where he's running funny. he's running through the woods with Hitler and Hitler and Jojo are both laughing and running and screaming yeah. and, and the grenade he, bounces off the tree yeah, and, and comes yeah. right lands right back at his feet yeah so this hangman thing is the first time in the movie where you're like oh fuck and yeah. I almost got like a chill yeah another it was, time, it was chilling yeah. another time when I felt that was when Taika so Taika Waititi for the most part plays this very camp very silly fake German accent and there's two very specific moments in the film where he drops that and is almost doing like a Hitler. He doesn't like drop it. He like morphs. It's yeah. like he fades into like an like actual Hitler a impression, real fucking Hitler. And it's and he yells at Jojo at some point. Yeah. I don't remember why he yells at Jojo the first time, but he yells at Jojo about something and screams at him, and it's like, no, you're doing the wrong thing, and whatever. I think and it's I, about hiding. Uh, it's about being friends with Thomason or something. Yeah, but yeah. Um, there, and the, the second right. the second time it feels like he's actually tra- it, it feels like the sort of the sort of language that you'd get if you translated like a Hitler speech into English and yeah, delivered that. Yes, it's and it's he's, that like nationalist rhetoric. And he's not doing these like camp hand gestures anymore. He's like doing Hitler. He's uh, like waving his hand back and forth like Hitler. Oh. I, I, he must have studied it and, and it, it was it, fucking scary. It was a little scary, yeah. yeah. Really scary. What's scarier about it is how smooth the transition was from his like funny character yeah. straight into that because he just starts raising his voice and then he starts doing sort of more animated movements and you, you sort of realise all of a You're sudden... You're like, oh, here's like, what's going on. Oh, this is reminding me of footage I've seen of Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Uh, when a minute ago he was a funny person in costume, right? And I... Th- and he has this like quality to his voice where it's sort of it's rough in the same way that yeah. Hitler's was. It's really fucking scary. And I think that one of the most interesting parts about that scene, I'm just assuming that it's a speech that's been translated. It might not be, but it gives you the an idea of oh, the sort literally, of literally. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it maybe. gives you an idea of the sort of rhetoric that Hitler was talking about yeah. because I. I not as good as I used to, but I speak a bit of German. And when I listen to <laughs> Hitler's speech, yeah. <laughs> well, when I listen to Hitler's speeches in German, it's very hard to understand what he's saying Regularly. because it's old and like oh yeah, it's it's old. <laughs> <laughs> when I fang on the old records, yeah, <laughs> it's like it, it's 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 an old recording and it's old German and he's talking in this very propagandary language that yeah. I can't understand. It'd be like listening so, to Winston Churchill. It's like I don't fucking know what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly. But so like it's it's really interesting to hear like the sort of crazy rhetoric and propaganda that Hitler was saying. We're like, oh fuck, if this is what he was saying, this is really 
this is like really intense, heavy, yeah. heavy shit. And so it's, I like that the movie has several moments like that where and, it doesn't and, pull its punches. And what that's achieving as well is that the whole time it's, it's set up to be no secret that Jojo is clearly imagining Hitler. He's just imagining. It's an imaginary version of him. Well, it's not the real version. There are silly scenes where like Jojo will have some... So Thomas N. McKenzie is the Jewish teenage girl that lives in his attic. I think yeah. she, in the movie she's like 16, 17, 18 or something. Yeah. Uh, and it's a secret that she's up there. Um, Jojo's mum... Well, hit her up there, and it's like Jojo's can't keep this it's secret. It's like a Catch Twenty Two where he can't tell the mom, and she can't tell the mom because everyone gets hurt. So yeah. it's, it's a bit of game theory going on where the, if they yeah. all keep the secret, everyone's fine. But yeah. if one of them doesn't, they're all fine. I think Scarlett Johansson's worried that her ten-year-old kid with a big mouth is going to let it on, let on somehow yeah, that he knows exactly. it. The, the point is that's that's the chick, and a lot of the movie is Jojo spending time with this. Jewish girl upstairs getting to know her under the pretense of like I want to learn how Jews are for my book but in, they become friends right um, because it's almost impossible for a 10 year old child to not become friends with yeah, someone right. that they're spending time with yeah. but what I was, what I was, I was twisting it back to something there right yeah so like what I think the reason why it's so powerful watching um, Taika Waititi change change tracks and and sort of veer into this realistic portrayal of Hitler yeah. is because you're also aware in the back of your head that Jojo is imagining this yeah. so why and it feels like it feels like when he's imagining it he's having a dialogue with himself right yeah. it's just that one of those voices is Adolf and then when so it sort of almost feels like Hitler has is is wresting control away from Jojo's well, imagination and is sort of like almost like possessing the portrayal of him yeah. to kind of invade his thoughts. And all of a sudden, it's not some fun game anymore. It's really Hitler standing in a room yelling at a child. Yeah, well, because, yeah, right. And it's chilling. In yeah. a way, um, a lot of this, you were saying it's just Jojo having a dialogue with himself. And I feel like that's kind of kind of the case for the most part. Like, there's a lot where, like, yeah, Jojo will have some weird interaction with uh, Elsa, Thomas and Mackenzie's Jewish girl character. Um, and he'll get back down to his room and. Um, he'll ask Hitler, like, what happened there, Hitler? Yeah. And he'll be like, I don't know, man. Yeah, 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 like, beats, exactly. Beats me, yeah. and he'll give like a 10-year-old boy answer. Or he'll be like thinking through the problem, and he'll be like, oh, we can't do that, or she'll cut off her heads, yeah. or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, th- there'll be a lot of that. It'll be like it'll be like Hitler's talking as if he's a 10-year-old kid as well. Right. And so then it's it's cra- it, it's surprising when the change happens like that. the mind of the 10-year-old child, I, yeah. I saw this online somewhere, and it was, this isn't, this isn't funny, but it reminds me of what you were talking about. Um, Someone talking about when someone, when you say someone is wise beyond their years or mm. someone is very mature for their age, it might often be some sort of childhood trauma or they've, they've had a very rough life growing up and they've right. had to mature quickly to deal with that tr- troubling yeah, they past. sort of had their childhood stolen from them, yeah. And I feel like you get a lot of that in this movie. Mm. You get a lot of... <sighs> I mean, you get a lot of, like, the kid played for laughs, like the kid acting, Jojo acting like a gruff old man, or like a, yeah. like a grizzled old war vet. And so his father is absent for the whole film, and so yeah. he's often forced to take the, like, be the man of the house, despite obviously being a 10-year-old yeah, tiny Yeah, like, he boy. thinks he needs to. Like, the mum right. will say something because this kid thinks that the, the Nazis are great. He'll say, like, no, mum, we have to be faithful for Germany and right. do our bit for our country. And then, so, it's funny to see this kid being very adult and wearing this uniform and walking around and doing his postman duties, but then sometimes, like, like a little moment of childlike fragility will break through this facade yeah. that he's put up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you realise, like, oh, this is just a child... Trapped in the middle of 
World War Two Germany. Yeah, of course. And you sort of go, oh fuck. And so like that's like when it, when the whole movie's silly and everything's played for laughs, and then you get this moment where you see four people hanging in the street. Yeah. And Scarlett and the mum says, "No, Jojo, look at those people. Yeah, look at their faces. Yeah. Look at their dead bodies hanging there. You get like, oh fuck. And it like, like it yeah. really like grounds you and makes you like really connect with how Jojo's feeling about the whole thing. I think it strengthens the coming of age story aspect of the film. And it, it's also showing you that like the event horizon that he is confronted with of like understanding, like seeing those dead people hanging there or like other, the other horrible shit that he sees and how like he understands some of the implications, but doesn't fully understand it because he's just too young. Yeah. So it's like he knows that they've been punished, but he doesn't, probably comprehend the full concept of like their mortality and death or whatever mm. so it's sort of something that he struggles with a little bit whereas like play that in comparison to Elsa who has like is she's 17 she's had a lot more time to develop and she un- she's had more time as an older teen to understand what's going on more and she's been so much more victimized by yeah. this war so she just kind of like gets it and is cold and uh, distrustful of everything mm. and disillusioned by everything and whereas he is still full of that like naivety she yeah. has none of that naivety despite being 17 I, yeah I really like I thought some of my favourite scenes in the, in the movie I think like half the scenes in the movie are Thomason McKenzie and Jojo sitting on the bedroom floor just talking yeah and I think some of those That's are some great. of my favorite movies. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of them are really funny. I really want to watch this movie again. Yeah, because I just well, you'll, uh, you'll I just get want to see them in again. a month yeah, when it comes yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a, a lot of those things. I'll probably are really, buy this one. I really like this movie. I thought yeah. it was cool. A, a lot of those things I thought were really funny. Um, where like Jojo will say like, "So tell me about your Jew bat wings. Why don't you have your horns?" Right, yet? and she'll keep making stuff up to entertain him. Yeah, yeah. and to entertain herself as well. Right, exactly. And then like sometimes there'll be moments but where like she has to. It's she's so beyond caring about it that she's not even resentful of that yeah she's just like yeah fuck it we'll yeah. drink blood and eat ch- kids and she'll like try and scare him by like making up stuff about yeah it. it's sort of like her way of reclaiming a little bit of her jewish identity when the, she's yeah constantly exactly punished for it where she, she she's got this fucking nazi kid like drilling into her and insulting yeah. her and she's like i'm gonna get my own it's back almost on like you, you know uh, like i'm sure everyone has stuff that they were made fun of for as a kid and when you get a little bit older it sort of goes one of two ways either like you get really antsy about it and you just become more and more angry and resentful about or it you, like, or you sort of reclaim it, it right and yeah. own it and it feels like that's the similar process but she's doing it in the face of like a, f- a, a tidal wave of hatred that has yeah. crushed her and killed her family um, but she's using the same technique of like, well, fuck you, I'll just lean in. Make I'll up more lean bu- in. Make up more bullshit. Right. Yeah. I-, I thought a lot of those are really great. clever writing. Yeah, and so then sometimes those interactions you get from her, like a moment of emotional fragility or a moment where... Um, for whatever reason, because Jojo's 10 years old, he decides that he's gonna, he, he should do something to hurt her feelings because he's like, oh, well, she's a Jew and I have to... I'm, I'm not supposed to like her. And then like you'll get a moment where she's just a normal teenage girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she also, I mean, similarly, I think there's there's a fair few similarities between her character and Jojo. Mostly differences, but she has that same, like, fragility, and I suppose. needing to put up a brave face. Right. Like, there's, there's a bit that I think, I don't know. We can have like a second stage. No, no, no. Warning. Fuck it. There's the whole bit, movie. Okay. Well, the, the you bit. Where, seen so it. she says that she has a. Well, this is this is it. This is it. If you if you're sticking out sticking with us, this is the bit we're going to ruin the ending. Yeah. Um. So there's there's throughout the whole movie, 
Hitler kills She's himself. been telling... <laughs> every scene is Hitler killing himself. <laughs> yeah. Throughout the whole movie, Hell Hitler yeah. kills himself. A bold um, move by Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas and McKenzie says that she has a fiance, and she's like, "I can't wait for the war to be over. I'm gonna go find my fiance, and we're gonna be together finally." Right. Um, she's got the little locket and this backstory and whatever. Yeah. Um, Jojo's kind of heartbroken about it because he lo- started to develop feelings for her. Yeah. Um, Which was so sweet and played. It was I think sweet. In, like I don't know. Maybe this. I, I. I hope that like women watching this can get a similar sense of empathy. But like, fuck, I understood that. Of like, when you're being a ten obs- year old boy, being obsessed with some girl is way too girl, old. Yeah. Any teenage girl is just like someone that you'll fall in love with if you spend. It's. It's like only it, the only variable in the equation is like the amount of time that you spent with them. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and you'll inevitably <laughs> fall in love with. Yeah. Exactly. Them, yeah. yeah I, I definitely sympathized a lot with that sentiment. Yeah. That was really sweet. And in the other way, it's like, oh, you're fucked, kid. <laughs> like, right. Nothing's yeah. gonna happen. And she's like indulging it, but she's really nice about it. Yeah. Um, it's it's lovely. It never gets creepy. Yeah. yeah. I, I really like. So the bit. Sorry, you, I interrupted. No, that was it. Well, the the bit you, you were analyzing it, which is good. I was just gonna say what happened, which is that. Um, <laughs> Um, the bit you find out there later is that her fiance actually died like a year ago, right? And, and she's so been holding on to that as like a glimmer of hope. And the the really sweet thing is he starts. Uh, he initially tries to um, kind of I don't know, like scold her or like to do a bit of a power grab by reading out a letter that he's, he's like, "Hi, from I'm her. I'm Nathan, yeah. your boyfriend, and I dump you, and you should be friends with JoJo now." Yeah, and I think he's sort of doing it half tongue in cheek. Right, but she takes it really personally. And of course, like it does this really clever thing where she's not—he's pissed her off immediately before that, or maybe she pissed him off. And the 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 hatch between them is closed, and it stays closed for this whole scene. Yeah. So, um, his we he doesn't see her reaction, and she's visibly far more hurt by it than he probably intended. Yeah. Um, you can tell it really tears her up because even the thought of even the thought is enough to be hurtful. It doesn't yeah. matter that she knows it's not true. Yeah. It's like she's forced to entertain this horrible uh, situation yeah. and it, it takes it really roughly. Um, and he he then, like, I think realizes and comes back and undoes it with, like, By writing another several letter. more letters. <laughs> yeah. like, um, oh, I'm, I'm Nathan yeah. and th- that boy Jojo is really sorry and you should be his friend right. and I, I love you. He and starts off by telling her he's died, right? Or something like that. Uh, I think he tells her he's died, and then he says, "I'm actually not dead," or something. It's ridiculous, like something that. like that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, but that's very sweet, and uh, I think is a good way of like letting us see just how some of the fragility of, um, like I think it, it lets us see Elsa's slightly more adult reactions to JoJo's childish games. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, which and, is and, a really nice dynamic, and all, and also gives her moments to be emotional about things that she's had to sort of put on a stony face towards right. a lot of the time throughout the movie. And it's interesting. The I, I really like the concept of her using her crawl space because, like, sometimes she will be out in the house when no one's around because they yeah. know that the mother is out and about doing stuff, and sometimes she shuts herself in the crawl space and will not like. She's got a bed in there and stuff. It's it's like she can live in there, right? She does most of the time. Yeah. Um, but I felt like she almost owned the house when no one else was around. It wasn't Jojo owning the house. It was like kind of because she was older, mm. she could do whatever she wanted. So when she needed moments of privacy, she would like shut herself in the crawl space, which yeah. is really interesting considering that that's a space entirely designed to like 
secret someone away from society. Yeah. Well, like she would never choose to be in there, but yeah. in the confines of the house, she uses it like slamming her bedroom door. The power dynamic is really interesting yeah. because she's the older one, and so to some degree can always tell Jojo what to do, and also the physically and more dominant one. Yeah, but th- exactly. There's there's yeah there's several scenes where he, he's like, oh, I'm the Aryan master race, and you're the weak Jew, and she like pins him down, and like and she's like, well, fucking. Who's free yourself then yeah, um, yeah. so then so on the one hand she, yeah, she's older and smarter and more wise and stronger but she's in this in this spot where Jojo can like at any point completely ruin her life and get her killed just over in yeah and so she's got to like indulge this 10 year old to some degree yeah. uh, the dynamic is really weird it's I really like good I, I really enjoyed it what did you think of the mother's death in the movie uh, you yeah, you were talking about a second spoiler, and then you're like, "Oh, it turns out she doesn't have a fiance." I'm like, "The mum dies." <laughs> yeah, no, I was building up to it. Right. Well, so, um, I- uh, so it does this very clever thing that I did not pick up on at all, but both you and my partner did, um, where it continually has shots of her, uh, of of JoJo's head and like shoulders in frame, with his mother's only her shoes in frame. Like she's, for instance, tap dancing on a retaining wall. But we don't see anything of her but her tap dancing shoes. It's a lot of shots and it of her shoes. We'll do that a few times, right? And the shoes, like she, he doesn't know how to tie his shoes, which is a great source of pain for him, embarrassment because he feels like he's like I'm ten. I should. It's one of those childhood fragility yeah. things. And so th- this, like this motif of the shoes, is constantly brought up and constantly brought up. And then um, she leans in with this wonderful. Um, or it's just this great moment where she's talking about uh, love is like you get butterflies in your stomach and uh, he's just realized, Jojo's just realized that he has these feelings for Elsa. So we get this like wonderful moment of realization where he's like, oh, I love this person that I know I'm sort of supposed to hate. And he's walking outside and there's a real butterfly and he sort of starts following it. And then he looks up and of course there are his mother's shoes because she's been hung. In the town square. she's been hiding a Jew, right? Yeah. And it's this awful, awful juxtaposition between, like, the peak of childhood, uh, the, the, the first love, you know, one of the purest, most wonderful moments that a child yeah. has, uh, immediately, like... Killed, and that moment where like your mum could often be like your your best friend, or right. There's a very strong love there when you're a young child as well. It's a it's a brutal moment, and the, the and the brutal like I think the larger than life reality that she was killed for such an unjust reason as well. Do you think she was killed for hiding a Jew? I uh, thought so she was I killed. About no, she's giving out. Uh, she was putting out putting yeah, out little resistance leaflets. Right. So at some point, I was yeah, I said that I was wrong. Yeah. She's killed for a different reason. Yeah, it's weird. in any case, she's killed. And I thought she's basically hung for betraying her country. Yeah. And I think that one of the most interesting parts about that, and it's really sad, and it's really savage. And she was such a strong character, and she was such a fun, funny, warm presence on screen. So to have that ripped away, she's so, so protective. Yeah. So to have that like ripped away so suddenly in the scene where it's this emotional high, and it just like snatches it one away of from the you. biggest like peaks to troughs I've ever seen in a film yeah. is brutal but then also the fact that it doesn't dwell on that death very much no he goes back immediately to the crawl space to talk to Elsa about it and knocks on the door and she comes out and he can't even get the words out to say what's wrong right and like collapses on the floor and she hugs him and it cuts doesn't and he then- try to stab her or he yeah, actually he does. does stab he does. Her, right? He tries. He so tri- he's like trying to take his anger out, and I think he's not even like strong enough, or maybe he no. doesn't want to commit. 
And he just sort of, yeah, he like pricks her with a knife and then just gives up. He half commits to, this is all your fault. And then like, right. yeah, gives up and collapses on the floor. And that's kind of the last. And then it's like, it like snaps to the next scene. Yeah. And the next scene has nothing to do with his mum. And so it's almost like the kid and it's him wandering around and alone in mm. the city. Mm. And it's it's almost like he has gotten over it before we as the audience have. Right. And the audience is still kind of like reeling and like really emotional from the death of the mum. And Jojo has to go back to like painting up posters and like helping out and like yeah. being an adult, even though he's 10. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, I think that makes it even more savage because like you, you get like... He doesn't have time. He doesn't have the time and the luxury that the audience does right. to grieve his mother properly. Yeah. He has to like get over it and just force himself to get over it and ignore the, ignore the feelings and just power through. Right. And of course, like the society isn't going to have any sympathy for him because his mother was like betrayed her country, right? No. So the fact that he is often probably no one gives a shit because um, if he says, "Oh, my mother was hung," yeah. And so then you feel really sorry for him, and I th- I think that I don't know. I really connected with this kid. I thought this kid was really a really good child what actor. A, what a great casting decision! And yes, I am very sensitive to shitty child actors. I they will often ruin a film for me. Yeah. And. Uh, None of them did. <laughs> Least of all this kid, who has such a huge amount of screen time. Yeah. He spent so much time with this kid. And he ranges from, like, pretty great, like, childish delivery of, like, I'm pretending to be a big person. Like, who precocious kind of, right? yeah. Um, to, like, genuine moments of emotional depth that are that you as an adult can empathetically connect with yeah. through only his body language. It's it's very, very good performance. And maybe that's doing yeah. a lot of the heavy lifting because like sometimes you see kids do these amazing performances where like a parent has died or there's some sort of emotional relationship type thing that's happening and you're like, oh, this kid can't have possibly gone through that. You know? yeah. this, this Hollywood theatre kid I bet has never His gone parents through have that. Been grooming them for it since right. they were born. Yeah. So sometimes it's absolutely stunning. So I'd be curious to maybe like watch, watch scenes from children like this, like in isolation, and be like, can you get the right thing? Or is a lot of the, the. But he he was great. My one, I think my one criticism of his performance was this the, the scene we were just talking about where he finds his mom hanging and he like does this. He's like hugging her. Hugging her shoes, and then he tries to tie them up, and he can't, which I like. I like the idea that yeah. he can't tie her shoes, even though he's trying to, because he wants to m- do this symbolic gesture, because it's all he can do. Yeah. Um, but I just wasn't... I didn't buy his, like, specific... The way that he reacted, it felt like he maybe moved to the next action too fast or whatever. Told to hug the thing. Or, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just... That that was like, oh, uh, no, okay. And it made me glad that they didn't linger on it too much, yeah. because they, there wasn't a scene where he was, like, where the camera, like, craned upwards as he was like crying over her body or anything it was just like very yeah. subtle well that's what was surprised me his legs crossed. that's what surprised I was almost annoyed at first that they didn't dwell on it yeah and that we didn't get more of a farewell to the mum or we didn't get like a we didn't get a moment where he's sitting with kids with city officials and they're like this kid has no mum now what are we gonna do he just had to deal with it and like yeah, right. live with Elsa in this big house all alone now I wonder because the script was extremely tight so I was just wondering what the running time was. Right, so it was an hour 48. So, like, it could have had more in it. But I feel yeah. like it must... So, therefore, I would assume it was pretty intentional that they just moved on really fast because it wasn't like they were cutting down a three-hour film. Yeah. You know? Um, why yeah. Did, have you got any favorite scenes specifically? I've thought of one. If you want me to go first. Uh, maybe. I don't know. It's hard. It would be one where 
Taika Waititi was on screen. I think like yeah. if I was admiring the way that the film was portrayed it was it's probably the scene where he goes from he's in the kitchen the second time he full hitlers um (laughs) but uh i feel like leaving that behind and saying like oh it's the scene where taiko tidi is on screen he has such captivating performances um that i almost feel like it's unfair to thomas and mckenzie and um whatever the the dumb fucking kid's name who plays jojo it's like a triple barrel roman griffin davis yeah um Jojo. Uh, it, Elsa and Jojo's scenes, they're some of my favourite. Um, they're really good. Yeah. I thought that one of my favourite scenes, because it was a perfect combination of great comedy and tension and a bit of these human moments, was the scene where the uh, Gestapo uh, inspect the house. Right. This yeah, is sort of that was maybe... Oh. Man, it had. Uh, yeah. It's hard to pick a favorite scene. It's great. That was also that could that easily have been mine too. So f- some of the, the funniest scenes in the whole film. The f- so the, the the gag, the the great gag is that they each person has to heil Hitler every other person <laughs> in, the, in the room. So like, <laughs> there's like eighteen of them, and it's a it new up, person walks in and they every do it three every minutes, time, yeah. right? And, and, and so they, they set it up and they do it twice, and you're like. Okay, it was We're funny. Done. And then they do it a third time and you're like, <laughs> you're fucking pushing it, guys. And then they do it a fourth time, but the fourth time, it's Elsa. And so she has to fucking do the joke. She has to be Elsa the, has the to heil Hitler the Nazis. Six fucking times. And yeah. it's incredibly painful every time. So it's yeah. sort of like, eh, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, it's still funny. Yeah, all right. We got your third time. We're having a laugh. And it's like, just oh. remember that what this movie is about. Yeah. You know, just yeah. remember what she's going through right now. So um, that that was a really cool scene, and not, not to like, fucking fantastic. he was really so funny. funny. My favorite bit in the whole film was where he he switches back to <laughs> a British accent and be like, breaks. "Oh, get a load of this!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then they got wings. Yeah, yeah it's oh, fuck, oh it's you've funny. you've made my day. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then he goes like, you know, uh, "Yeah." Oh Christ! It's, it's a, I mean, that's that's the thing. But it's tense because they—that's before the mum's dead. Yeah. And the Gestapo are doing like a random raid, but you're not sure whether they know if whether the, she's yeah, whatever. And, and like Sam Rockwell's character, you're not a hundred percent because he shows up. Yeah, and Thomas yeah. and Mackenzie decides to just come out and just decide to say, "Oh, I'm 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 JoJo's sister, and this is my bedroom." See? Right. And like, yeah, that's the moment where it's revealed that. Um, Sam Rockwell's character is on their side because he covers for her when she makes a mistake on the, yeah the, uh, he does the old nightclub bouncer board. trick of yeah, like yeah, what's yeah. your star sign or whatever and Covering she fucks up. it and yeah. yeah, so yeah, um, that could easily have been my favorite scene. Um, I thought it was I thought it was really funny. This movie I feel like we're dwelling a lot because it's about Nazis and World War Two. Yeah, I, I don't. I had a great old time. I with loved it. this movie, man. I this might be the funniest movie this year. I don't think is I that, like. Is that fair? Funniest uh, movie? I oh you'd know you'd have to give me a bit to think about. This it. would I reckon this would win my I was we were doing in our Facebook group, people were posting their um best movie of each year of the last decade list. You reckon this might everyone be everyone should a- jump on and do it. No, I don't think this is winning because it's so elegant. I mean, if you caught me in the right mood, it could. Like it might be the most fun I've had in a movie this year. I'd have um, to, I'd have to look back and see what other it, it would definitely be one that well, I've my, my two contenders are like on. Burning or uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't think I Burning don't was think that it funny. Beats out no, well that's what I'm saying, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, in terms of humor, I think this is the funniest movie I've seen all year. Like I think I got so, such joyous laughter out of this. Movie. Yeah, the absurdity. 
Yeah, it's um, a very it's a very specific of like a ten year old child saying "fuck off, Hitler" and, and, and then karate kicking him out of a window. Karate kicking him out of a window that rocked is so fun. Like I'm just <laughs> imagining the the studio reading that to the point where like. Taika Waititi had to build up enough goodwill in the script yeah. with the reader yeah. that it's gotten to the point where, like, you can't that's open. That's acceptable. You can't, in the first 10 minutes of this movie, no. have a 10 year old child yelling, fuck off Hitler and karate kicking him <laughs> out of a window. But it fits <laughs> at the end of the script. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so clever and it builds up such a. It even builds up a relationship between Jojo and Hitler that's, like, complicated over the course of the storyline. So, yeah. I don't know. Just a real masterclass in, like, comedy writing around a serious topic. Yeah, um, exactly. Like, never... There was never a joke where you were like, ooh. I suppose because no. it's on the... Not not like it's on the right side of history or whatever. But it is. I, yeah, but I feel like that's not that's not where I'm going that's with it. That's not why. I feel like yeah. you can... Talk about all sorts of stuff in comedy. I listen to a lot of podcasts where comedians talk about aff- the nature of offensive jokes yeah. and about like often if you see a headline or if you see some, oh, you know, this comedian's got a joke about Nazis, for example, mm-hmm. it's important. They Like I think Will Anderson says, it's important that you look at who the subject and who the target of the joke is right. because you can have a joke about Nazis, but as long as you're not on the side of the Nazis right. in the sentiment of the joke... You're probably fine, right? And that's what this—that's where this movie is. It's a comedy movie about Nazis and about Jewish people being murdered in yeah. World War Two. But, no but it's point, on the right side of the joke. Yeah. At no point uh, 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 is anyone but the Nazis the target of every single joke in this movie. Yeah. Um, and it's unrelenting in its criticism of them, and it—it—it it, it feels like it feels like someone's punching, uh, like. Punching a guy like, who's already down. Well, or, or like it's it's like watching someone punch a punching bag where they just they're hitting it fast sometimes and sometimes they're just like laying single hits on it that would floor someone. Yeah. Um. But no matter what, they're always like landing straight on the target. Like, I th- yeah, I thought that like like I don't know. There's there's so much stuff where it's like brilliant lampooning of the Nazis that's so silly. Like, uh, where Sam Rockwell is laughing at the Jew book that Jojo has done. Yeah. He goes, oh, you think that's f- yeah, that's funny? Look at this funny thing I did. And it's this, like, he's given himself, like, a... a he's drawn in crayon, like, a, a uniform that's, he's like, a Roman... outfit. A Roman centurion helmet with, like, a big Elvis red cape <laughs> that has, like, spangles all over it and right. different, like... It looks like they had little soft toys, like, pinned safety pin to his uniform and shit. Like, yeah. stupid. And, like, a French horn. And then the ending of the movie... In the big battle scene, it's like the seriously. This is well. This is Berlin like being the bombed town's now. Being taken, yeah. um, you get him running through the town square in his fucking legionnaire hat right. and um, with Alfie Allen in tow, yeah. <laughs> holding his French holding horn. the French horn. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, and okay, I'll I'll just say I don't. I'm not a like an experienced comedy writer, obviously, but there were a lot of times where there was an incredibly funny joke, and it wasn't just random funny. It was set up. 40 minutes earlier in You're the like, movie. Oh, yeah. And it's like, that was actually cleverly constructed. It yeah. wasn't just funny in that moment. It was funny because it referenced itself earlier in the film as well as being funny in that moment. Yeah. Which I think is really impressive. Because it's one thing to... It would be one thing if Sam Rockwell 
didn't hadn't had that scene with those crayons and he was just running in a battle it almost still would have flown you know yeah. if he was just running in a battle and he'd made this costume for himself but the fact that like he'd been defensive about his costume schematics that were clearly <laughs> drawn in crayons similarly and he's showing a 10 year old child being like what do you think of that now? but then it was like no he was really he showing was a 10 year old child yeah right he was actually asking a 10 year old child what do you think of this yeah, thing I've yeah. designed well you're initially assuming that he's making fun of the 10 year old child's books but he's actually showing the 10 year old child his plans <laughs> yeah it's really really funny it's great um, Sam Rockwell I think is my favourite comic actor god he's good he's uh, so yeah, funny yeah he's not my favourite but shit he was in a movie that I mention a lot when we talk about coming of age stories because I don't know maybe I watched it a good time in my life I think yeah. it was really funny it's called The Way Way Back yeah and similarly it it's earlier a, in this episode uh, yeah right And so, but he, uh, Sam Rockwell is like the older adult that's cool and funny in that as well. Right. Um, and it's a similar kind of storyline, so I think it was reminding me a lot of that. And Sam Rockwell does a very good job of playing that kind of character who you're not sure if he's just constantly hungover or not. Yeah, right. And he's doing a lot of that in this. Fucking hell, 1968. Yeah, he's looking good he's for 50. He's almost 50. 50. More than, uh, Jesus. He's more than 50. No. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't know how I know it was 50 years ago, because the Abbey Road 50th anniversary was this year. Right. And that, that was came, and Abbey Road came out in 1969. There you go. The year that the Beatles stopped having 50th anniversary releases is the year that my math is going to be off. Yes. I was, <laughs> yes. I was thinking he's not 60. No, he's slightly over 50. Yes. Yeah. He looks yeah, great. Fuck, he looks crazy good for yeah. a 50 year old. Anyway, well, I think my least favorite scene in the movie, where I almost got a bit bored, was when the battle scene at the end starts. Yeah, I, you know, I was just a, thinking. There's a long montage. That goes on like a, like a minute too long. Yeah. And I thought like, all right, I get it. Yeah. it's uh, So there's a scene where the, the city gets taken in like a minute. Mm. And, um, you know, I guess there were a couple of different ways that this movie could have gone about doing it. It could have given it like a lot more time than it did. Yeah. Or it could have given it like no time where say say someone's like, uh, the, the Americans are here. And then a bomb goes off and Jojo's knocked unconscious. And then when he wakes up, like the city's mm. done. But uh, it's somewhere in the middle where it sort of has a, action battle scene gives it enough time to watch a few people being blown up <laughs> then knocks him unconscious yeah and then he wakes up it all seems a bit pointless so yeah I think that maybe the pacing of that bit was a little bit off yeah, yeah. Um, but I also still had some gags in there it was still entertaining to watch yeah, it was good. but I get what you mean I also hated that at the very end when the war is over and the Americans are in Germany and the Nazis are gone Jojo goes up to Elsa's little crawl space and she's still hiding because she doesn't know. And she says, is the war over? Who won? And he goes, Germany won. We won. I hated that he did that. Yeah, it's, it was so... It, I felt like... Um, I also... I don't really know why. I don't think it was justified enough why he did that. I think he, we're watching well, he, him... It, it's meant to be his moment of character resolution, but he we, he makes a mistake. I suppose what... He I, says the wrong thing. I suppose what, the way I justified it in the moment was like, Oh, he doesn't want her to leave. He's afraid yeah, that's that she's gonna is. leave. Yeah. But then I would have thought that's okay if he says like, "Oh, Germany won." No, actually, sorry, no, America won. I'm just, I just, I love you, and I don't want you to leave. Right. But right. he le- he lets it go the whole time. I think that's the. And then they go outside, and she doesn't tell it until like they're outside on the street, and she's terrifiedly looking. And she at, sees a bunch and of she Americans sees, like, drive past. Yeah. yeah. I just, I just felt like it was a bit. Maybe I, not out of character because he's a 10-year-old kid who can't really beha- think rationally in a situation like this. So you can probably say, oh, I think a 10-year-old kid would panic and do that. Yeah. But like, I just think in the moment of the scene, I didn't rationalize it. 
Yeah, well. no, I, I I think I didn't I didn't like the choice that he made, but I didn't think it was badly written or anything. I just wanted him to not do that. You know what I mean? I, sp- I suppose so, it but was like, like just, no, yeah, dude, be honest. You know, yeah. like you can't hold control over someone like that. And I think that if I had to say what the, I also what felt very yeah. uncomfortable about it. He didn't get a resolution and then it, right. and that's like the final scene in the movie. And yeah. then they're like smiling like little jokes. I forgive you for just lying to me and, right. and freaking I think me it. out. I think what I think the 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 thing that we're then relying on is that Elsa is empathetic enough to understand why he does that. And I think as an audience member, I didn't want to take the chance that mm. she would be so caught up in the joy of being finally free that yeah. she would immediately forget but Forget that he forget to care about him, you know. Yeah, it almost robs her of that moment of joy, though, because she goes outside yeah, it does. and she's terrified. And then when the American thing drives past, she's just like, "Well, oh, fuck you, dude." Yeah, and like slaps him. And then then they have a moment, right. and they laugh, and then they're dancing or whatever. Right. But like, just I, maybe one of the reasons why it it struck so hard for me was there's a moment where she's it's it's a camera in the crawl space, and she goes like, "Jojo." It's the war over. Who won? And you hear Jojo's voice say Germany, and you just watch her face just she break. Takes it completely and literally with no doubt. Her eyes look like my whole life is ruined. Yeah, I'm gonna have to spend my entire life in this crawl yeah. space. She I- immediately loses the hope that she had, and yeah, she, it's like you know that it's dangerous for her to hold hope, so she doesn't want to be hopeful, but she yeah. can't help it. And in that moment. You really do watch her finally yeah. give up. And you watch that... Yeah, right. And you watch that spark just go out of her eyes. Right. Which, might I add, like, Thomas and Mackenzie does... Great actress. Really, really yeah. well. Because what we're describing, like, both of us clearly got that experience and it was yeah. from, like, four seconds of non-verbal acting. Like, yeah. Very, very good. Anyway. So then, like, I yeah, well, that, that was kind of it. And I thought, like, right, well, if you're going to go... Th- if, if Taika Waititi is going to go that hard on, like, let's watch this... Because that re- that's real yeah, shit. Let's watch this 10-year-old kid emotionally break this poor woman that's h- hiding for her life. Right. Because he, of his own inability to deal with... Yeah, you'd want it to come back. I'd want one little line where they make eye contact and he goes, like, I'm just afraid of you leaving. And she goes, lol, I'd never leave you or whatever. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem is he never says that. He never properly expresses that. You know that he's worried about it, but there's never a reassurance on her part that he, that she is going to stick around and take care of him. Maybe he's a fucked up 10 year old kid and he, he doesn't have the maturity to be able to say that. Oh, like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so maybe it's like, yeah, well you don't get your perfect happy ending. Yeah. But it just did feel a bit bittersweet at the end where it's like, I wouldn't be fucking dancing with this kid. I'd be like, I don't know. It felt like they went for a dancing, emotional, musical, ensemble dance end piece. Mm. I didn't feel like they'd earned, if you know what I mean. So the very end of the movie, they dance to Heroes by David Bowie, which is this brilliant, uplifting scene. And Heroes is actually about two people that live on either side of the Berlin Wall, who are lovers that are separated by the wall. And when the wall comes down they'll finally be together. Yeah. And so it's kind of about that. And so it's this beautiful song Actually about people that are... the significance of that. Right. And so it's this beautiful... And I think he wrote it before... It doesn't matter. The point is, yeah. um, you can draw that significance out from this song that he wrote while he was living in Berlin. Um, and so it's this it's this beautiful song about this reunion and this emotional connection these people have. And I feel like it's like, yeah, but he just shat on that like three minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean... And it's hard to say whether it's, or not, like, yeah, she's then completely just so relieved about 
realizing that you know she's she's relieved about realizing that the allies won she's um she forgives him because she understands yeah. why he strung her along and that he just until she walked outside wanted to try yeah. and hold on to something but that's a lot to impart yeah. upon a 17 year old who thought that her life was over yeah well, immediately like before that you don't so. see that moment of relief in the same no. intensity as you see the moment of the hope, the being moment lost. of yeah, right, yeah, that that is, I think that's it. And yeah. then, like, if I'm not saying it should have been different either, I'm but saying it should have been different. I'm right. s- I'm saying that if you want the big musical song and dance ending, you got to give me a bit more emotional resolution. I think part of it is that for me, it wasn't a, I, 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 I think, or maybe just you're don't right. show that scene in the crawl space. Just don't show me that. Yeah, I, but I liked everything that was on screen, right? So I'm conflicted because I'm not... I think, like, if you did something differently, it, it wouldn't quite be saying the same thing as it was. Like, I wonder... So, it, yeah? It, well, it's just... It's complicated, and it's not a big song and dance number, right? You're it's, right, it's, it's not. A, it's a big song where they both are doing what they've been talking about doing when it's finally over. Yeah. And so, really, like, that is the big resolution, is that they finally get to dance. She is outside. She's free. He's with her, I guess. <laughs> Um, I also didn't like that that dance bit at the end was was a shot reverse shot dance thing, and not just them dancing together. I wish it was a shot of them I dancing together. Yeah, it was nice. really weird yeah. that it was a shot of her dancing, <laughs> looking at the camera, weird. and then a shot of him dancing, looking at the camera. It's like, yeah, they're face to face dancing. I was like, well, what were they not on set for the same day? Yeah, for that or what? <laughs> maybe, um, maybe, maybe that was a studio note. Yeah, I don't know. I hate to tear apart the ending. I'm not really tearing it apart. This is a little note, but like. When the it's movie a complicated was... ending. Yeah, it really that last like but five it... minutes of screen time is 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 hard to process, and it doesn't feel like it's supposed to be complicated. It feels like Jojo has a moment of doubt. He gets over it. She goes, "Ha ha, that was that." I wish he hadn't said that, but lol, let's dance, and that's the ending, and they're fine and they're happy together. But yeah. I feel like maybe it just didn't. He didn't carry it off. I'd love to ask him about it. Yeah, and be like, oh, I I just want to know if there was any other version of that. Where yeah. some parts were different, or all of it was different, or whatever. Um, because you're right; it feels like it. It feels like even at the very end, it's sort of fishtailing between like yeah. not a happy ending at all. Yeah, and it's like, bro, you've got a minute. You've got a minute yeah, left yeah, to finish yeah. this movie. Yeah. What are you doing? And he sort of swerves towards not a happy ending at all, but then veers back and gives you that happy yeah. ending. And I think if you wanted the happy ending, you needed another minute or two of them having a dialogue about like, all right, what the, what would you, you just pull up there in the bedroom? What right. the fuck was that? I, I absolutely, in, in one part of my brain agree but in the other part of my brain then I think it would have been much more similar to every other fucking movie that tries to do the same thing and it just would have been another happy ending about a war movie I suppose so and that that was like a very interesting and unique way to finish this one off yeah so that's I guess that's why I'm conflicted about it I yeah, agree okay. it felt a little weird yeah it did um, feel weird speaking of weird yeah. we're, I think we're about to wrap up yeah um, that was it Black Klansman where we were talking? Oh no, it was Three Billboards Outside mm. Ebbing, Missouri, or whatever the another fuck. fantastic Sam Rockwell another great performance. Yeah, right. But so that something that I remember us talking about, I remember reading online when that came out, was the idea of it depicting the racist with a heart of gold, right? Which is actually Sam Rockwell again. Yeah. Again, how the fuck does this guy keep getting these these roles? So he plays like racist with a heart of gold. Yeah, and it's like, well, why are you Re- just redeemed racist? And, and yeah. people were talking about like, oh yeah, can can this racist dude be redeemed? Is it okay for this film to be like looking at this character and kind of justifying, or not justifying his actions, but to some degree being like, no, not hashtag not all racists, right? Um. And in the same way in this film, 
maybe this is hunting for controversy that's not there. But I'm just looking at it and thinking, like, do we need a Nazi with a heart of gold character in this movie? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think the thing that he does function importantly for me, and the reason why it didn't need to be a heart of gold character, but the, his opening salvo of him explaining why he's teaching this fucking summer camp is because he was basically sent into a meat grinder and had his life ruined in a completely avoidable way. Yeah. So he establishes himself from the get-go as a victim of the war effort, right? Yeah. And it's like, you are a Nazi, but it's not that simple. It's not just that, like, they're not robots, right? Like, these are people, mm. and they're indoctrinated people, but they're also victims. I suppose so. He's still, like, I don't know, he's still, like, an officer, and it seems yeah. like he was just annoyed that he had lost something himself yeah. in a selfish way. And so then I thought, like, well, it's just this selfish officer. I don't know. I'm conflicted about it, but I, I just it reminded me of that same thing where it's like, well, do we, do we need a Nazi good guy in this movie? I right. get, I get what he's saying. Maybe we do. Maybe we do. Maybe there's no reason to not have a Nazi good guy. You're I right. There existed people who were pressured into the war effort. That yeah, could also I mean, be like, good people. No need to defend them. I think what doesn't work is when you try to have him be the comedic relief that he was if he's not also got that like redeeming personal quality. Because I think if he was purely anti-Jew, evil Nazi the whole time... He it, sort of doesn't care the whole time. He doesn't care. Oh, he's, he doesn't want to say I mean, one way or the other. He cares enough to yeah. protect them, right? Yeah, like he's clear He clearly... If he has to come down on one side or the other, he comes down on the side of defending, like, protecting Elsa, and he... I think he is sympathetic towards the mother's efforts also. Yeah. Um, he says, like, your mother's a good person or something like that. Yeah, so he, he says, like, your mum was a good person, like an like actual good person. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. exactly. Not like me, I'm not necessarily... I think he's saying, like, not like me, I'm not actually a good person. I yeah. just have tried to do some better things, but... Yeah. Um, Maybe that's I, that I think then. that doesn't work if he's just a Nazi officer, black and white. And then the question is, well, can anyone else do that in any other way? And, um, you know, maybe there could have been some baker or something that was not in the... But also, this was like the end of the war effort, so we don't know who... Uh, I- I'm I'm genuinely not historically educated enough to know, like, at that point, they might have just been chucking fucking anyone in a uniform and if you lived long enough, you made your way to lieutenant or colonel or whatever. Probably. Captain. And so, like, maybe he was in the dregs of the army and was oh, just, it just lived through enough and he was never really on board, but it was that or you're against the wall. So he yeah. just went, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. So who knows? I agree that there's a bit of a complicated um, yeah, uh, dynamic there. I think, you've con- I think you've convinced me, though. I think that there's no reason to not have a human being in the movie that doesn't want to p- betray his own personal interests too much. Like, mm. he could say no to the whole war, and but he'd then get executed. He's like, well, I don't want to get executed, but I do yeah. still want to help people. He sits in that middle ground of, like, not strong enough to object, mm. but not purely evil. Um, yeah. In any case, it struck me in an interesting way. You'd have to lose a bunch of great moments. And I think... It's important to keep in mind as well what you were saying earlier about the target of the jokes always being the Nazis. Yeah. It's even when he's having fun and like even when his character is going we're still we we never lose a sight of the fact that he's not really on board with the war. Yeah. And um when he is 
acting a fucking idiot. It's about the Nazi stuff. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I don't know. I think that um, as problematic things go, you're probably right that there's a little bit there. Uh, but that it's it's. I don't know. No, I'm I'm happy that we've talked it out. I I I hate when people say that's problematic without justifying it. I think I've justified it to myself. That yeah, it's fine. there's well, it doesn't have to be fine or not fine. Yeah. I think it it, it, it maybe it's it. a character that um, could exist in a different way in a better world. But he's I think yeah. he's done a pretty good job of working with what he and has. And those grey characters are interesting. The way they did in three billboards was interesting. Yeah, where for it's sure. Like, well, yeah, there c- probably could be a racist guy that changes his mind. Yeah, kind of I'm thing. sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, that exists. You yeah, know? and and I think like you're getting into like the arguments that people made against the joke, and like let's finish up, but yeah, because we're running long. But the getting into like arguments that people made against the Joker of like you should never represent something on screen because it's bad, right? And that's just a ridiculous argument. Like yeah. you should represent things on screen that are bad. You just have to be critical of yeah. them, right? Um, or like I've, I've heard people criticizing the West Wing Dave Anthony from the dollop criticizes the West Wing because it's like oh you've got this liberal utopia that you're writing for yourself why wouldn't you write it to go perfectly and I think right. that's an absurd argument to have out of all the criticisms yeah. you can have for that film criticizing like oh why wouldn't you have it go perfectly is like well because what do you mean just because you're yeah. writing a fictional world doesn't mean you want to fictionally make everything great he he sometimes says that, but I think his problem with it is that it Aaron Sorkin acts like he's making a, a very good point when he's actually not, not making yeah, a point. That's at what all. I mean. The, the, the stuff there, yeah. The, the, yeah. But I, I agree a, with on you. On a base level, yes, that you're right. It's it's like you don't always have to write things perfectly and say like, oh, I'm not going to depict this. Represent a perfect world. Yeah, yeah. Because if you always aim to represent a perfect world, you can never criticize anything ever. Yeah, right. I yeah. I think I had a lot more fun watching this and getting like a, oh, the Nazis were bad. I had a lot more of an interesting experience of this than I had watching a film like The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously going for completely, completely different, different things, things, but yeah. <laughs> in terms of like commentary, yeah. what I about feel like o- it's Overlord. Yeah, that's a better that's a better example yeah. of tonally. I think Overlord wasn't very specifically and realistically criticizing the Nazis in a satirical no. way like so this like was. So like the main characters are Americans. Yeah, but yeah. I, I feel like in that it's 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 really just going as far as like oh the Nazis are so crazy and so ridiculous and so zealous for power that they're going to do this zombie thing. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert for Overlord. <laughs> it's almost like, yeah. It's almost like I think in Overlord, like the war is the butt of the jokes, but in this It's more of an action movie as well. I think it's yeah, mostly exactly, a war yeah. movie that has quirky bits to it. I mean the humor is the fact I, that the Nazis invented zombies, right? But Yeah, well I think it's funny in the same it's funny and quirky in the same way as those Wolfenstein games are funny and yeah, quirky. Exactly, where it's yeah. like, oh the Nazis have mechs. Even and those are like, a lot more it's, philosophically yeah, funny. Well it's almost not funny, it's like ridiculous. Yeah. And it's like, oh, there's Nazi mechs now. And yeah, yeah, All the yeah. Beach Boys are in German now. Yeah, shit exactly. Like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that in terms of a better than worse, then, I was going to... I still think that I found Hunt for the Wilder People funnier than this. Right. I think if you got me on a good day, I could probably put either of them over the other yeah, one. Yeah, sure. In Pretty the moment, close. my gut instinct is that Hunt for the Wilder... This, this is worse than Hunt for the Wilder People. Right. But better than... The <laughs> boy in the striped pajamas. Yeah. Yep. There's a hot take for you. <laughs> I think this is better than Moonrise Kingdom, um, and I love Moonrise Kingdom. I I, I realized the reason why it was y- you you hit the nail on the head of why I'm comparing those two movies. Damn straight. It's the it's the childish fragility. It's the moments of childish fragility through the veneer of trying to act pragmatic tough. adulthood, right? Yeah. yeah. And like faux 
um, like the mask of adulthood. Yeah. Because I feel like the main character in uh, Moonrise Kingdom is doing that same sort of like machismo. Um, yeah. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put together a plan, put together a crack squad. I'm going to save the girl. Mm. Um, and it's like, you're eight. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but I think I enjoyed this more. I think it had a lot more to say. Um, I think it relied on like what it Wes Anderson is doing a thing with his cinematography that's different. Yeah. Um, and more like distinctive in its tone. Yeah. Um, but the writing is not like quite as clever. I think even maybe in a different way, but the comedy in this was so good. I think this is, yeah, I think that this is definitely a lot funnier and a lot better, a much better comedy than Moonrise It's just Kingdom. hard to say like, oh, it had better comedic writing than a Wes Anderson film because those things are fucking great. But yeah. I, I, and I'm not I sure if I'm just forgetting some of the great moments from maybe. Moonrise Kingdom or I, whatever. Like Edward Norton's character in Moonrise Kingdom is like just as funny as Sam Rockwell's character, I think. Yeah, I think that but Moonrise Kingdom and Wes Anderson's films in general are often quirky and enthralling and charming. But they're not hilarious. There are moments of hilarity, but you're right. I think I I, I wasn't like laughing my ass off nearly as frequently as well, I, I was in I this movie. I had like belly laughs at this oh, movie, yeah. and then I was still. There were bits where you and I were still the only ones giggling like, about some sort of dumb bit that. Well, like he'd say a line just slightly weird. <laughs> just a bunch of the Taika Waititi stuff just tickled me in the right way. Yeah. Jesus. Um. So yeah, I, I liked this better than Moonrise Kingdom. Um, yeah, I, uh, may, I, maybe I'm not so comfortable with my Hunt for the Builder People hot take. I don't know. I thought that Hunt for the Builder People, I remember it being funnier than Jojo Rabbit, mm. but I think that Jojo Rabbit is all in all a better movie. I think this is like the funniest comedy I've seen in years, man. I'm oh, having I'm a still, hard time. Nice Guys is my favorite. Is still my yeah, favorite but that came out in like time. 2014. Like to put a better or worse, and I mean maybe I found Nice Guys slightly funnier. Yeah. But I think that the writing in this was almost more clever than like a Shane Black film. Yeah, know? it's up there. Um, it's definitely funny. Yeah, like shit. I don't know. Something that I, I'm I'm looking at like a DVD of Birdman, and I feel like Birdman has a s- similar moments of um or a Blu-ray, sorry, not a not a DVD. <laughs> I, not a I DVD. Would, I would never I'm, buy a DVD. I'm no peasant. I I shan't buy a digital video <laughs> disc. But um, I think I feel like Birdman is going for a similar sort of like. Uh, magical reality absurdism sometimes. Um, uh, Or like surreality, sorry. Yeah. I liked that better. So I guess Birdman, let's just say, you know, for a similar sort of like absurdist reality thing, but really it's not comparable. I think Wes Anderson is the nearest touch point for this, and I think this does some stuff better than Wes Anderson does. Some stuff worse. I'm going to say I liked Grand Budapest Hotel better than I liked Jojo Rabbit, but like, fuck, it's really close. And, yeah, no, I'd go. I'd and go that on that. Might change over time. I'd go know? on that. So I that might watch this. I've watched Grand Budapest Hotel a bunch of times. I might watch this again and prefer it. Mm. Um, okay. Well, I, we probably can't have two Wes Anderson films in a better than worse than. But if we're comparing I gave you them, Birdman. I just feel like it's a reach. So yeah, I don't know. No, I don't know. It's about better than that ballpark, though. It's in the ballpark of a yeah, Moonrise two Kingdom. Taika Waititi movies. <laughs> <laughs> Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. Well, I'd be mean, like, oh, I think I, I realize we're about to do it. It's better than this Wes Anderson film and worse than right. this Wes but, Anderson uh, film. What, who else is doing a similar? It's better yeah, than any know. other. Here You're go. right. It's better than any Monty Python movie <laughs> as a different, like, I think I, I enjoyed so. it vastly more than that. I also thought of, like, say Hot Fuzz. 
Like I think the comedy from Hot Fuzz, I might I might still like Hot Fuzz more. That's than a better I comparison, enjoyed. I think. Right. So like, let's say I liked Hot Fuzz more than I liked this, but that might, if I saw Hot Fuzz this year, I might not have found it as funny as I found this movie. Yeah. You know, like I, but it's it's comparable in yeah. terms of like. Just tickling that sense of humor. Yeah. Very clever, snappy writing. Yeah. It's very good. All right. Well, there's our rating. Mm. You got a vague gist of what, what we thought of it. Good. Great movie. Go see it. Uh, I, don't, I, I assume we've been consistently releasing episodes right up from our. Yeah, this um, might be the next one that comes out. <laughs> yeah, right up from our Razorback episode, right up until this one. Yep. Who knows? Yep. I hope you've been. Have you had a great Christmas? Merry Christmas from your beef boys. It feels weird to say that in November, yeah. but there you go. Yeah. We'll see you in the new year. I suppose we're going to have to Krampus. <laughs> we're a Christmas gonna... horror movie about a monster <laughs> that comes down the chimney and kills the whole family. <laughs> really? Yeah, we should watch it. Fuck. Apparently, it has uh, incredible sound design <laughs> because you're in this. It sounds like, like it's house a bad movie. A, it's like a house of the snowstorm outside the whole time, and just yeah. like the way that they use the sound of wind and the sound of like all the folly of the monster and shit is really impressive. I'm keen to watch it <laughs> okay. for the sound design. <laughs> yeah, the best thing you can say about a movie is that it has great. Oh, it no, apparently sounds it's, it's great, great, but it's like people were saying, like ordinarily, a movie that has a that's in a snowstorm should drive you nuts. But like yeah. something like The Revenant, it was okay. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Well, I think we're probably going to have to do a best of twenty. The episode next episode or the episode after, I don't know. We, we'd have, we're literally thinking like six weeks in advance. Yeah. At some point, very soon, we're going to be doing our best films of twenty nineteen list. We'll have a think about I'm all the movies. I'm happy to do a best films of 2020 if you want. You were checking the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long day, mate. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, what, what year what is year it? Is it? <laughs> uh, what year is it? But yeah, someone on Facebook, uh, Pat on Facebook, started a thread on our Beef Station Beef Posting group discussion page we have, uh, listing his favorite films from the whole decade mm. now that the 2010s are coming to a close. I don't think I have enough time in the day to be able to sit down and actually be happy with a list i feel like i've, I've almost made a list right but every time i'm like oh but what about that movie oh yeah. well, maybe i just have to post one the point if you yeah. think of if you think of one we'll have to dig up that old thread tell us what your We'd favorite films of the year them, have been man. there's some really interesting ones in there and some ones where i've uh, so like tree of life is one that's come up on a couple of people's lists yeah okay, um, that's great that came out in 2011 which looking back was the year we graduated and one of the worst years for movies of the decade absolutely maybe of the last few decades I, those those big lists are hard to go through i don't know i, I, I think that like scott pilgrim is going to make my list like as a movie that's probably not great yeah, but i really right. enjoyed when it came out if you the point is let us know what your favorite film of the year was i'd love to hear it if you got a list send us your list post it on our page if you'd like to email us to let us know any dirty little secrets email address is beefstationpod at gmail.com jump in on the facebook group find us on facebook beef station beef station beef posting yep i think that's all i got google beef station film podcast at all that's it we'll get there merry christmas and a happy new year from us That's reindeer. (laughs) I'm Oscar. (laughs) See you later.